0: Godspeed Derek A. Santa Lucia and Mayor Castro Tokyo, a Tropical Moon podcast story. Tropical Moon resident Derek A. Santa Lucia had been under house arrest for some time now. He had been placed under house arrest by the mayor himself for making very disparaging remarks about his appearance in public. It was now common knowledge that Derek had likened the mayor to a confused Tropical Moon banana goose. It was very unlike the mayor to even react to such a trivial and silly incident, and even more so to punish it. In fact, free speech on Tropical Moon was highly regarded by everyone. It was only a long-forgotten-about by-law that gave the mayor the power to sanction the house arrest. It was this seemingly petty treatment of Derek by the mayor that had raised more than a few eyebrows amongst the gossip lovers of the Tropical Moon's taverns. Now, house arrest was especially difficult for Derek, as he was a wanderer in spirit, a traveller, and this was coupled with a restless mind. He would start to get itchy feet as soon as he had been in the same place for too long, and it was this particular combination of personality traits that had ultimately led him towards his career as a freighter driver, transporting goods far and wide across tropical moon's surface, and even weaving his spaceable juggernaut through comets, satellites and space debris to deliver his payload to other planets. Derek would often be far away from home, choosing to sleep in the sleeping compartment of his freighter that he had named the Great Bear. He would park up to sleep under rows of palm trees on tropical moon, or, if on a long journey between planets, would stop mid-journey, cutting the engine and allowing the freighter to drift slowly while suspended in space. After a long day's driving, he would relax by just gazing out of the windscreen at nothing but stars, listening to his tapes of Hawaiian music and occasionally climbing out of the side window of the cab to float along the side of the vehicle and check that its payload was secure. Due to Derek's house arrest, he had been unable to work except for local jobs that got him back before his curfew. He was not coping with his confinement very well. In fact, his behavior had started to worry his best friends, Albie Planet and Jeffers, so much so they had begun taking turns in checking up on Derek Knightley. But even with his friends looking out for him, this wasn't enough to stem the flow of Derek's downward spiral. Tropical Moon is an honest, beautiful, and happy world, but sometimes that just isn't enough, and the most troubled of its inhabitants can occasionally slip through the cracks. Sandwiched in between the two tropical moon districts of the Gothic Quarter, already familiar to us as the location of Mr. Russell's turret and the Heart of Darkness district, is the Halloween in Japan district. As its name suggests, the district is in perpetual conflict of contrasting architecture and features. The streets are even narrower than its adjoining district, the Gothic Quarter, with rows of small medieval-style houses adorned with black cats, spirits and number 13s. While in the same row, there are traditional style oriental bungalows complete with Reiki meditation fixtures and ornamental water gardens, Zen parks and carp pools. It is in this district where the mayor of Tropical Moon historically resides, in a large tower made completely of a single piece of ivory, the hollowed out 2,000 year old tusk of a tropical moon polar giant narwhal. The current mayor however, Mayor Castro Tokyo, was a man of the people and had shunned the decadent living quarters of the tower that is temporarily loaned to any new mayor for the duration of their tenure. Instead, he opted for a far humbler abode, an old decommissioned monorail carriage. The carriage had been hoisted above Halloween in Japan's skyline and relocated to its current location amongst the rooftops, above a row of drinking establishments and smoking dens in the less desirable part of the district. To a cynical eye, it may look like a rather crude and obvious political move to win favour with the residents, but this wasn't the case. The mayor genuinely enjoyed this style of living and preferred the colourful lifestyle of the dirtier, more run-down end of the district. The residents here weren't any different. They weren't immoral or deviant. They just had less disposable income to spend on nice things. But this didn't make them bad people, and the mayor knew this. The Mers Monorail House had a long rectangular shaped garden that could be accessed directly from the carriage doors, and he had commissioned Professor De Vizioso to create several portable self-constrained radioactivity filtered fusion reactors, which behaved as a sunwood and gave off rays of sunshine that gave the Mers garden the feel of a rural Italian summer's day. Towards the end of the garden there was a small orchard, in which there was only enough room for about half a dozen apple trees and amongst the trees and the meadow grass that surrounded them, he had placed a wooden swing seat, on which he would sit for his evening rum and smoke before retiring to bed. The remainder of the garden, nearest the monorail carriage, had been dug into a vegetable patch, and rows and rows of intriguing-looking leaves, stalks and flowering potato and tobacco blossoms, of varying colours from deep reds and purples to yellows and greens, sprouted above the dusty, earth-scented soil. It was this vegetable patch, high up amongst filthy, smoggy triangular rooftops, that had been the location of Derek's most recent disgrace. He stood surrounded by the evidence of his ale-fuelled rampage, having drunkenly shimmied up a drainpipe to the mayor's garden and completely vandalised every inch of it. The mayor, placing such a free spirit under house arrest, had caused the red mist to descend, and now every vegetable had been ripped out of the soil and hurled about the garden. Unripened apples had been ripped from the trees and strewn across the meadow, and, to complete the destruction, the mayor's own personal stash of pink and black plants had been picked and consumed. These kinds of incidents on Tropical Moon were oddities indeed, as such was the social fabric that altercations and disagreements rarely ended in anything other than a positive resolution and a handshake. Standing amongst the vegetative carnage, his eyes opened and adjusted to the brightly lit garden, He only had a second or two to take in and realise what he had done before he noticed the mayor casually sitting on his swing seat behind him. He nonchalantly struck a match and lit the cigar that protruded from his mouth. Without looking up, the mayor spoke in a calm and composed voice. He had already correctly guessed the reason behind Derek's actions and asked, Why do you think I put you under house arrest, Derek? Derek thought for a second and then in vitriolic defiance he answered, out of petty spite, because you think you're too good to hear anything negative from a resident. Everyone thinks you're so great, but you're a dictator, and this proves it. What right have you to push us around when you're not even from here? To punctuate the sentence, Derek used an expletive. The mayor now lifted his eyes and studied Derek. Expletives hadn't been used on tropical moon in years, decades even, but it wasn't this that made the mayor look up. It was true that the Mare wasn't a native of the Moon. He was an immigrant from an orbiting planet, and had been on Tropical Moon since he was a young man. The Mare chuckled, and turned the expletive over in his mouth, as if tasting a retro sweet for the first time in years. He leaned back in the swing and took several long, slow puffs from his cigar without inhaling, to keep the glowing tip alight. Not at all, he replied. I found it funny, and besides I rather like banana gooses. No, "'It was for another reason. "'It was for your own good, Derek. "'You're unravelling. "'You're coming apart at the seams. "'It may well be true that I look a bit like a banana goose, "'but I'm not a confused one.' "'Derek couldn't argue. "'It was him that was now very much the confused one, "'and before he could frame an answer, the mayor continued. "'Every night for the past month, "'while I've been sitting in this very spot "'with my priestly sleep and coke, "'I've watched you down on the street below.' Every night you entered the Emerald Pheasant smoking rooms or the Crystal Palace Tavern. Then I watched you emerge hours later, stumbling, kicking, and shouting your way home. Now, Derek, unless you want me to fax Officer Gordano, I suggest you tell me what's going on to cause you to behave like this. Again, Derek paused to think. He had no option but to confide in the mayor. I'm sorry, Mayor Tokyo. He began but was interrupted immediately. In this garden, I am not a mare. Call me Castro. So Derek began again. Okay, Castro, you know if you buy a new computer game at first you play it properly, and you complete each mission as expected until you complete the game. Well, my life was a bit like that, but I have become so sick of the game I no longer want to complete the missions. I no longer care about them. So, I hit God mode. Then I can enjoy the game without having to worry about playing it properly, doing things right. I can just go around and do whatever I want without worrying about the balance of the game. The man didn't react to this, but instead simply stirred into the distance, seemingly in deep thought. So much so that his lack of reaction made Derek begin to feel self-conscious about divulging too much information. However, this couldn't be further from the truth. The mayor knew all too well the cause of Derek's unravelling. It was for not dissimilar reasons that he had left his home planet to come to Tropical Moon all those years ago. Finally, the mayor spoke. Derek, have you heard of the discovery of the Colorex planet by Professor DeVizioso up at the observatory? Derek had, but like the majority of Tropical Moonians, had dismissed it as a product of the professor's introspective and perhaps senile imagination. The mayor continued. Derek, we've been looking for a suitable candidate to travel to this far-off planet and send back important data to the observatory. I believe you have exactly the right attributes to do this. You should know, though, there would at the present time be no means to get you home again. If the planet is inhabited, there may be a slim chance that they could help you return, but from our perspective, the mission is a one-way journey. The mayor stood up. "'took a long pull on his home-grown cigar and walked past Derek. "'I'll leave you to think it over.' "'Derek did, as he replanted all of the Mare's vegetables "'and returned his garden to the condition in which he found it. "'When he had finished, he remained in the garden, "'sitting with his back to an apple tree, looking out into the cosmos. "'Planets rose and set across the horizon, "'and Derek sat and thought about the offer the Mare had given him.' He thought about it so long that he was still in the same position when the mayor returned late into the evening. Derek had made his decision, and although it seemed like a permanent solution to a temporary problem, he had decided to take the offer. The following morning, Albie and Jeff woke up to a fax that had come through during the night. They both read their identical faxes in stunned disbelief and looking up into the northern sky, were just able to see a vapour trail arcing across the horizon, accelerating their friend through Tropical Moon's atmosphere and out of their lives forever. Only a handful of Tropical Moonians would ever know the sacrifice that Derek had made, and all of them were standing in their respective houses, watching the speck in the sky disappear. The mayor, Castro Tokyo, watched from his garden. Bert at the spaceport had climbed onto the roof of his porter cabin and watched through watery dead eyes and as Albi put two and two together, he said to himself, Godspeed and good luck, Derica Vici Santa Lucia. A star that shines twice as bright, lasts half as long. Travel well, sir. This episode used real sounds from space, audio recorded from the surface of Comet 67P by the Philae probe, sent by the European Space Agency's Rosetta mission to study the conditions on a comet. Tropical Moon was created and written by Giles Warren. It was, as usual, meddled with and narrated by his associate Mr. Buckstansinger. If you've enjoyed your time on Tropical Moon, please don't forget to rate us and review, as it really does help. And If you would care to take a selfie and tag it with where and how you're listening to Tropical Moon, please do and feel free to share it with our online community. There, you can see the artwork accompanying each podcast. So, until next time, goodbye and thank you for listening.